Welcome to The Nest Show, the podcast that brings you insights into the crypto market, trading and investment experiences, and what we're looking forward to as we navigate the space together. Before we get started with the show, I want to thank our friends and sponsors over at PrimeXPT, where many of our listeners have already signed up to trade by visiting theburbnest.com slash PrimeXPT. PrimeXPT is the most powerful trading platform offering immediate access to over 30 assets. Users may trade cryptocurrencies, Forex, commodities, stock indices, and much more, all from a single Bitcoin-settled account. Ferrum Network is an interoperable DeFi ecosystem offering token presales, staking as a service, project incubation, and much more. Visit theburbness.com slash Ferrum. OnReach is a DeFi 2.0 toolkit for a safer, simpler, and stable DeFi experience. Learn more at theburbness.com slash onreach. And now for the show. What The Nest Show is. This is a podcast brought to you by the Burb Nest community, an independent crypto and Forex-centered trading community built to sharpen each other in capturing opportunities in the markets while protecting capital along the way. What this is not trading advice. We are not financial advisors, and you should not regard any information here or in the Nest Club as financial advice. You should always consult a licensed financial advisor before making any financial decisions. Hey, welcome everybody to today's episode of the Nest Show podcast. My name is Adrian, and today we have a special, special guest. And uh, this is Kevin of Linear Finance. How's it going, Kevin? How are you doing? Good, man. How about yourself? I'm really good, really good. Thank you. Uh, Kevin is actually just, you know, very generous already with, with his time. Uh, well, he's based, you know, as with, within the Hong Kong kind of like a district for linear finance, uh, where many representatives kind of like just reside. But most importantly, you know, we want our viewers and our listeners to understand uh, what linear finance is about, right? Because well, there are many, many beautiful, fancy words that we use to explain that, right? Whenever we go, for example, to the Linear Finance Twitter you know, bio, it says a cross-chain compatible decentralized Delta One asset protocol that would let you create, manage, and let them trade exposure seamlessly and instantly. So let's say I'm a newbie. I just joined crypto, right? I have no idea what this Delta One you know, asset protocol is. So how... Could you describe it in in the like in some simple words for all the new people who are joining? Yeah, so um, I mean we we're a synthetic asset protocol. So essentially, what that means is that you can come onto our our site, our, our D apps, um, and get exposure to I think I would say synthetic versions of uh, crypto, of commodities, um, things like gold and silver, of uh, currencies. Uh, currently, we have euro and JPY. Um, and indices, right? So you're, what you're buying is you're not actually buying the uh, you're not actually buying the underlying, but you get you can get price exposure. Um, so we see we get prices from from band protocol, okay? Um, and essentially, you can basically buy these. You can trade in and out uh, of these synthetic assets uh, with um, quite a large uh, liquidity, uh, as well as with no slippage. So whatever you want to purchase, uh, you purchase that at the spot price. Uh, what band protocol comes and you can you basically trade in and out of prices. Um, and so we have an exchange uh, set up um, where you can come and take a look at uh, obviously the historical data um, as well as the exchange uh, trading interface. So it's very similar to trading on a, um, a centralized exchange like Binance or, or FTX in that sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, I've actually, you know, used, you know, the linear, linear finance platform per se. And, uh, you know, so many times I actually log, you know, log in in the builder, into builder, you know, and I see all of the improvements, all of the improvements as you go and catch up pretty much like with the trends or even establish the trends, you know, with the, within the DeFi scene. But the truth is, again, that if, the, if there are new people joining up and we know, that's just for a fact, you know, there are more people joining, you know, there are more people kind of like getting interested, you know, in this Dogecoin pumps, right? And all of this kind of like transitions later and then just, you know, kind of like spreads across the other markets. And most of those people are, again, new, inexperienced, you know, they don't know how to behave. They don't know what this DeFi thing is even, right? So if we were to just go and shoot straight to the very basics uh, and, Kind of like understanding, you know, DeFi, DeFi 101, as I, as I pretty much like called it. Uh, let's explain to those new people, to those new uh, visitors, viewers, very, very basic stuff about DeFi. To start with, like, how would you describe what the DeFi is to them? Yeah, so I, I would think for the newcomers, I would say that DeFi is a, a basically a new financial system. So what we have done, what we are working on is to basically replicate the old financial system in the new world on blockchain, okay? Which means that uh, one, um, it's open, uh, two, it's permissionless, and three, there's no intermediaries uh, at the end of the day. We just all function on smart contracts, right? So um, say in the old financial world, you need to have banks and you need to have intermediaries in place and you would trust them uh, to basically handle all your data and to do transactions, right? Um, but with the with that with the old system, there's a lot of restrictions in place. Obviously, because of regular the regulatory restrictions, um, scalability restrictions, um, many type of restrictions of which we just don't. Well, we currently do not really have in decentralized financing. All right, decentralized finance where uh, it's it's essentially we just trust what we build into the code. And just smart contracts. And with that in place, we're able to replicate uh, many different elements, uh, such as old finance. We have, um, how would I say it? We have lender borrowers, okay? Um, the first ones uh, that actually started off this revolution was, was MakerDAO, okay? Then people like Compound and Aave. Um, we also have DEXs. So instead of having centralized exchanges, we have decentralized exchanges, uh, with AMMs in place uh, to basically market make on the tokens. Uh, people like Uniswap, um, uh, before it was a uh, Bancor, uh, PancakeSwap, all right? Um, and then we also have people that make assets and derivatives. So uh, similar to uh, linear finance, uh, synthetics is another one. Um, there's also a few other ones that are out there that are basically doing synthetic assets. Um, and uh, insurance protocols. So people like Nexus Mutual. Okay, so essentially what we're basically building out right now is uh, essentially a whole new financial system, which you can go ahead and place your money. Um, you can generate, you can lend, borrow, you can uh, generate yield, very similar to having a savings account in the, in, the, in, the old, in the old world, right? You can trade crypto assets. And, uh, and right now, a big trend is trading traditional assets. So we have, in, we have um, I would say we have protocols that do tokenized stocks, uh, people, synthetic protocols uh, like ourselves, which will soon be able to offer uh, uh, stocks, um, synthetic stocks. Um, so it's, I would say it is a kind of a new world order for, for people to get into. And it's basically 
freedom for, for your money, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's permissionless. Uh, there's no KYC. You just need a wallet address. You can have access. And I don't think you get that in the old world, in the old financial world. So I think that's basically what, you know, generally DeFi 101 is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I think there's a lot of truth in what you, in what you said. Mostly, you know, because um, the entire variety of the DeFi services, you know, the, the decentralized services, like you said, the lending, the borrowing, you know, just staking, swapping, you know, all of that, right? All of that works pretty much like on this uh, kind of like, a, how to call that, more efficient matter, right? Because apparently it happens that we don't need banks for that, right? We don't need banks anymore for that. And that people can organize themselves, you know, within the, within the help of, uh, you know, of, of the blockchain technology, let's say, for the data transmission and whatnot. That we can organize ourselves to such an extent that we can create a financial space, financial service, which actually kind of like just apparently, again, is not only more efficient, but also gives you more returns, right? When you compare that with the bank savings. Like if you put your bank savings, you know, put, put your savings into a bank, you know, deposit to put it, uh, I don't know what, I don't know what the rate to get, like 0. 0.25, 1% in a year, right? Which yeah. combined anyway with the effective real inflation, you know, with, you know, with some countries up to 10% or even more, you know, apparently you keep losing money. You just keep giving away those money because of the quantitative easing and whatnot again. So this decentralized kind of like service, you know, I've been staking Lina, like the token, like your finance uh, to all the viewers and, and listeners. I've been staking Lina since the very conception. I think it was September, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, that, that you guys went public, right? September. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. And ever since I literally saw and somehow, well, passively, but participated, you know, as the, as the, as the you know, admirer, like admirer or, or visitor or just viewer, you know, I looked, I was there for the entire time that Learn Your Finance developed, you know, and so many versions of the builder, you know, so many versions of the website, which looks so fantastic right now. Uh, like this overall kind of like DeFi sphere was evolving very dynamically, you know, in a the very dynamic, dynamic matter. And most importantly, you know, what we kind of like have to, uh, have to understand, you know, as those participants in this DeFi is that it is really some new form of finance being shaped, that it's not just some some virtual money, that it's not just like some some virtual like tokens, coins, you know, that, that let you buy drugs on the internet. We're actually taking a big, big leap into the financial future. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I... I think a lot of it goes to the fact that DeFi tends to be very, um, not as an open and permission and stuff, but it's also very transparent, right? So you, you, you actually really know where your funds are going and what they're, what they're being used for at any certain point in time. Um, and really the, the real key, big key risk here is obviously smart contract risk, right? So it, I, I would say you actually know what your risk kind of reward profile looks like in DeFi. Um, and I think that's actually quite powerful for the users. So I think with DeFi, it's not just open and permissions, but it's also very transparent. Um, so you actually know where your funds are at any point in time, whether you stake them somewhere and you have a proof LP token, um, and you kind of know what the vaults are doing or how, what the yield strategies look like. Um, and it's very transparent on what your, your returns are, as well as your risk, right? Because realistically, it's a lot of it is just smart contract risk. Um, uh, you know, if, if any was there's a bug or any type of failures, then that's the type of risk that you're, that you're taking. 
Um, and so your risk return profile, at least you know about it, okay? Um, but in the real world, uh, I, 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 as myself, as many others in crypto can probably say, you know, banks are just not your friend, right? I mean, you're getting, you're getting what, uh, like you mentioned, 25 basis points a, a, a year uh, for saving in, in U.S. dollars or, or your local currency. Um, but in reality, uh, you know, the banks, what are the banks doing with your funds? They're probably doing out in other types of investments, and they're making a large amount of cash. They're making larger yields, and you can tell from the current what you see currently now in the financial world where they're putting their money. Right? They're putting their money. You know, Credit Suisse is is out lending money to Greensill, and uh, you know, the, uh, lending money out to to hedge funds. And so the returns they're making on that are substantially large. Um, and they're not sharing that with the investors or basically the shareholders or people who put the money in, right, and are funding these. Um, it's because they have pricing power. They actually have, it's very centralized, right? All the banks uh, are together and they basically can uh, some squash down the yields for individuals. Um, but different in DeFi, right? Um, you know, you, you get your yields and it's spread around to the right amount of people through the smart contracts. And that's kind of really the beauty of it at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. So it, it does seem, you know, to me that the well, linear finance and and not only, you know, for the overall participation in the DeFi, let's say right now, that you guys are trying to solve one big big matter, one big problem, right? Which is the centralization of, of the finance of this kind of like, uh, you know, the old financial system as we as we will to call that, you know. And um, again, there are so many so many steps. So, so many kind of like just, you know, that's a, such a big process. It doesn't happen overnight, right? It requires actually years and years of building, years and years of, uh, of, of improving, you know, because if we kind of like remember, you know, all those, uh, I don't know, crypto 2017, you know, how, how the entire infrastructure looked like, you know, there, was, there were exchanges that had those stop losses, you know, low risk management allowance kind of like, it literally was there all by alone, right? All by yourself. And you were there. You were there actually flipping, you know, some virtual money with uh, with with little use case back then, right? But we have now stepped up the game. We really have now entered the space, uh, or should I say, entered the pace of the development, which you know, which we can really evolve into a global global thing and global adoption. But what what we mean by global adoption is not just you know, uh, Elon Musk accepting crypto for you know for 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 Teslas, right, or for this. Mars rovers or whatever, uh, we are really talking about somehow uniting that or uh, writing DeFi, right, the centralized finances, into the overall global financial system. And for that, again, mm -hmm. there has to be many, many, many kind of like progress episodes. And speaking of it, could you spill a bit on some of the most recent updates, some of the most recent upgrades that Lightning Finance, uh, yeah. Presented. Yeah, so um, you know, I think uh, I think like you mentioned in 2017, uh, 2018, um, you know, the last few years for DeFi have seen substantial explosive growth. You know, right now we're probably sitting around 45 to 50 billion in TBL, and a large part of that is on Ethereum. Um, and uh, you know, obviously with Solidity and the Ethereum blockchain, um, one of the most publicly used blockchains, and the one that has the biggest community and the most DeFi protocols on there. The ecosystem 
system is extremely large. Um, and with that, obviously, comes with scale scaling issues, right? Um, the ability to um, get more users, to get more transactions. Um, and currently, right now, just the Ethereum blockchain is just not uh, just not in the right place to handle that much, right? And so, which is why we see um, high gas fees. Okay, that plus obviously the popularity of Ethereum, uh, of both Ethereum and Bitcoin, prices increasing, which means that transaction costs for individuals uh, who use uh, who use the Ethereum blockchain um, become quite expensive, um, and incrementally becomes more expensive as smart contracts get more complex. Uh, so it's not just simple transactions that we're sending back and forth. You know, with with uh, with synthetic asset protocols, there's a lot of steps uh, and contracts that are involved, which means that it, the, the the transaction costs get incrementally higher. Um, and so we you know we recognize that kind of as a problem. And our, our kind of big key here is that we 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 keep uh, you know linear linear is an ERC twenty based token, um, but we basically do all of our transactions on Binance Smart Chain. Um, one, because the TPS is substantially larger. Um, and two, oh, BNB prices have, have gone up quite a lot. Um, so our, our, our costs have, have gone up a bit, um, but they're still substantially cheaper than, than, um, than our competitors on, on the Ethereum side. So our largest competitor, I think Synthetics, if you use their protocol to basically build and create synthetic assets, it probably costs you a few hundred US dollars. For us, it's probably at most, you know, 10 to 15 US dollars, okay? Um, and so for us, we're trying, you know, our biggest thing right now is that we solve uh, the sales, the scalability issue, okay? Um, and we have uh, more functionality on the exchange. So the user experience when you're actually trading is more like trading on, you know, on your normal exchange, right? Um, so we try to have that in there. The prices update every minute or so. Um, so we, as we continue to push along, we bring more trading functionality in place. We bring more type of assets. Uh, we'll soon be able to have stocks um, and, and um, synthetics and you know exposure to things out in the real financial world. Um, that will come very soon. Um, and so that's kind of what we focus on, right? And being cross-chain compatible, uh, we have a bridge in place. So you, if you really want to bridge yourself back to ERC, Ethereum, and Ethereum, you you fully can do that. Um, and so yeah. right now, that's kind of that's that's kind of the main selling point for linear is is, is that we we solve scalability. Yeah, I can, I can I can remember you know this this kind of like BSC transition right to that you that you literally just bridged and then started operating on the BSC uh, the the Binance Smart Chain, and you know there's. As you said, you know, while BNB price kind of like we're just staying down there, you know, uh, kind of like peacefully, you know, not really skyrocketing. Uh, this was of uh, definitely lower cost, as you said, right? So speaking of the cost and of the limitations, you know, of the of the growth, let's say, uh, what is there really that is that makes it so hard to scale? Like, is it regulatory? Is it pretty much like just tokenomics? Is it uh, the overall financial, you know? Uh, system, not even financial system, but financial situation on the planet, you know, the, the wars and everything. Uh, what makes it hard? What does it make it hard for, for linear finance to scale in your opinion? Um, I think a lot of it is, uh, you know, once we've gone through and, and built this out, you know, we work on on challenge of building a community in, in, in place 
Um, from a, from a regulatory perspective, uh, you know we're, we are de- we are decentralized, so um, and we're going to have the DAO set up. So hopefully we won't hit any type of regulatory hurdles. Okay, um, but a large a large part of it is user education um, because you know as I'm sure as you as you have uh, essentially been using linear finance, um, it does take a little bit of figuring out how to use Builder. You know how to build a, a liquid USD and then use liquid USD to um, to purchase your synthetic assets. Uh, how to you know manage your 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 collateral ratio, your P ratio at the end of the day. Um, and so a lot of it, a lot of our time is spent uh, is spent doing that. Is spent working on acquiring users and, t- and user education. Uh, so we put a large amount of time in that. We also put a large amount of time into aftermarket support. So if you are a you know linear user, new user, and you have issues, you can come into our Discord and uh, 24/7 there is there are well-trained admins that will go ahead and and help you um, get through your technical issues if you have any. Um, and if it cannot be solved, uh, those issues get logged and sent back to home base here, and we try to solve those within 24 to 48 hours. So we really pride ourselves on on the user experience. Um, and we, we hopefully with that, we can overcome and actually get more, get more users at, at the end of the day, because right now, you know, I think the core target market is still crypto users. Um, I think a lot of the users that we think, or everybody says, oh, you know, we're going to have a whole influx of users from traditional finance coming in. Um, you know, I'm not, you know, I believe in that too, but I think that's just a little bit farther down the line. Right. So if you I mean, maybe you can ask you can ask your friends who are you know, heavily invested in traditional finance world if they've ever tried DeFi and if they find it easy to use. And and if you look into ourselves or to other protocols, it's actually not that easy. Right. It's not very easy to transition over unless you've really done your research and you've done some trial and error, actually use use the DeFi protocol. So I, I think that's kind of the, the, the big scalability problem that a lot of a lot of protocols end up facing so you mean if i understand it correctly you know apart from let's say the technical you know just uh technical well aspects that make it hard uh let's mm-hmm. focus on that uh is it really what do you what do you say uh educational aspects that you really need to educate people on well how to use it that that really kind of like limits in the in the major extent uh, I think I think that, uh, like I said, I think this is something that everybody faces. Um, I think that's a big part of it is user education. If we can solve user education and make it extremely simple, make the UI UX extremely simple, make people free use, the market opens up. We get a whole we get a whole new tranche of it, of users at, at the end of the day, and we're just we're we're just not uh, we're not stealing market share from from each other, right? From the other synthetic asset protocols. Um, I really think so. I mean, think about it, right? If you look, go and you look at, if you go and you look at any type of DeFi protocol, um, can you honestly tell me that once you open up the page that is extremely simple and under and easy to understand? Can you, when you open, right? I mean, hey, I'm a big fan of, people, of, of things like uh, of, of Curve. And, you know, if you go to Curve, really, are you going to understand how to use it? Like. Right. So um, so I think that's something that we that we'll eventually all have to end up face. We'll all end up facing at, at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's very true. I mean, again, 
I can see so much simplicity just being put, you know, upon your website or upon, you know, the the builder itself, because it definitely looks looks completely different to what I remembered from the well past couple of months, right? Before the overall upgrades came, you know, to the UX and UI side. And again, this is another note, you know, what I what I say, uh, you know, publicly on Twitter that I that I literally just log in and check, you know, the like the builder or whatnot. And that I actually just actively use Lanyard Finance. I truly mean that, you know. And what I what I personally love about it again is that you can you can literally just you know uh, kind of like again go back and forward, you know, to the to the Binance Smart Chain and the Ethereum Smart Chain, you know, uh, if you uh, to the Ethereum you know uh, smart contracts, if you if you will, you know, you can literally just manage your, your pledge ratio, of course, right? Just uh, like if you want to participate. Like I have about uh, what is it like eight hundred eight hundred seventy thousand something like this almost locked you know uh, for 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 pretty much like just being there of the total rewards kind of like just being staked you know I mean uh, that were staked right those those are kind of like in major part of the rewards but most importantly you see uh, like or even I see you know how much it simplified over the time and. From from what can I like what I imagine, you know, for me also being to some to some extent the builder, let's say, for having my own company, my own brands, you know, and managing the burbness and whatnot, okay, along with Yellow Block. I mean, we really participate and see how this space improves. And uh what really kind of like caught my attention with you guys was uh to start with, your very help, Kevin. I can remember from the very beginning that whenever I had any, again, technical issues or just some technical questions, you were there always to help and support. That's very, very kind of like natural thing as it seems, you know, but but so many projects would never offer that. So many projects would never really just commit to such an extent that they are there for you, right? So so you apparently eventually feel like they're, you're left all alone which I never had any such a case like this with you. So that, that is definitely very, very big, uh, very big hats off, you know, to you, Kevin, for, for managing all that. Uh, but also again, meeting this, I believe on one hand, you have those technical kind of like just clarity, you know, this technical clarity on the user end and the educational aspects that come from the project side. And when you meet somewhere in between, perhaps, you know, this is where the miracles happen. Right? This is where the real conversion happens and this kind of like transition to, to the DeFi. So it's not it's not perhaps about just the just the educational aspects, just like you mentioned. It's also about improving uh, parallelly, you know, this um, well, the, the overall simplicity of, of you know of, of using right DeFi. Now that makes it so so effective in your very case. And uh, speaking, you know, of the overall again. Um, Overall, let's say DeFi uh, put within the context of global finance. You know, there has been so much going on around the term that is called digital economies, right? The digital economies, perhaps new monetary digital systems. So many countries are actually announcing, you know, one after another, they digital currencies, right? Not the not the synthetic assets. They're real digital currencies. Like there's, you know, there's so much cash being printed right now. Uh, limitlessly and endlessly by central banks 
And well, from my personal point of view, it may actually just end up in a situation where all of the cash holdings that we have, you know, they're, they may go worthless at one point. We may repeat on some global major scale. Uh, well, the phenomena that happened in Zimbabwe the other day where literally there was so much cash, you know, there was such a hip hyperinflation that people were really literally like, you know, pulling their trolleys, you know, with piled, piled, piled with cash to, to buy their like breakfast, you know, vegetables or something. And uh, this somehow may all have to do with the, uh, with the digital economies. Again, that's my sort of like a personal opinion. I always may be right, wrong. But most importantly, again, digital economies. Do you guys have some, uh, like Lightyear Finance, do you have some longer term plans where you really define right now or talk to some institutions or even, you know, plan to work with, with, with um, I don't know, with some centralized units like, like, like banks or now uh, on the smooth transition and really global adoption of the digital, of the digital, you know, financial, financial uh, services from you. Digital economies, let's talk about that. Yeah, I think um, I think you're you're absolutely right. You know, um, the world is actually changing into more of a digital economy. Um, you know, but like you said, uh, lots of countries now are are, are looking at doing um, digital currencies. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, these are just just digital versions of visual versions of fiat, which is still controlled by the by the central banks, right? So. All the issues, like you mentioned, about printing too much money, inflation, it doesn't go away. Um, those are always still going to be there. Um, but, you know, it, it, that's that's a negative. The positive about it is now that people, now that they've had these, it brings more visibility to um, the decentralized finance space. Um, because obviously we have things like stable coins, uh, which are still backed by fiat dollars, um, uh, other tokens. And in which we, which people now become more accustomed to being, um, to having digital currency, right? So I think it's great that they have those, that, they, that countries are coming out with them. I, do I think that it's, it's going to help bring them and solve other issues such as, you know, the, the issues that plague the current fiat system? Probably not. Um, gives us visibility, okay? How we as linear finance connect back into the old financial world um, goes to figuring out how to transition users that have old financial assets into the DeFi world, the DeFi space. So if you have trying to figure out, okay, well, how do we bring users over um, in, in, in trying to think about how to get them over with their existing current assets, right? How to bridge them over with their existing fiat or with their existing stock portfolio, how do we go ahead and do that? Uh, do we tokenize their stocks and then give them stable coins? You know, we can look at things like that, right? Those are the kind of bridges that 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 we that we need to build. Okay, um, and for us at Linear, you know, we will have multi collateral staking uh, later on, uh, but that's multi collateral staking for for digital for crypto assets, um, and then we'll start looking into figuring out how to get real assets and stake, get, get those staked uh, and so that we can issue Lina tokens or our stablecoin off of those, right? And that's kind of really where the big breakthrough is going to be for, for DeFi is when we, when we as a whole ecosystem figure out how to get, how to bridge people over. Um, and I know that uh, 
I know that a lot of a lot of low borrower lenders are, are talking to banks um, and other financial other financial institutions. You know, for us, we talk to asset managers, uh, both on an index basis, just figure out how to bridge, do synthetic versions of certain ETFs and, and things as such. So we're just we're all of us we're trying to reach out to the old financial world and find a way to bridge bridge users over so they're used to it. Right, and to also comply with uh, any type of regulations that are uh, that are in place right now. Yeah, speaking of speaking of those regulations, you know, and all the improvements that still have to be made, like the future of DeFi. Like, what, in your opinion, you know, for being for your working with Linear Finance or Linear Finance and participating actively, you know, in this again in this ecosystem, like. What's there yet to be achieved, in your opinion? Like, what needs to change for the future of DeFi? Uh, I, I think at certain points in time, um, for ourselves and all our protocols, it's becoming more professionalized, you know, tidying ourselves up so we don't have issues like hacks so or exploits in, in place. Um, and, be, and once we can get that, once we get those types of issues solved and tidy things up, you know, we we learn to we'll have to figure out ways to self-regulate ourselves. Um, you know, so we don't have issues with people doing rug pulls or you know protocols that do bad things, right? So once we find ways to get rid of all the bad hombres, you know, there's there it becomes more appeasing um, for institutionals to come in. And once we can actually achieve that, that's kind of where I think things really, really start uh, taking off, uh, particularly for the, for the old uh, traditional users. You know, when they start seeing people like Fidelity uh, coming in and working on custody solutions or doing a Bitcoin ETF, um, figure, and them get dabbling themselves into investing into DeFi, you know, we get more and more of those. And this ultimately starts becoming a bigger, you know, a bigger ball as it rolls down the hill. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, on my end, let's say from the investor's point of view, from the, you know, user point of view as well, there is definitely, again, big, big improvement that needs to be made on this, on this simplification side, as you said, you know, like if you go to this carved out, you know, or something, this, uh, yeah, like UX, you know, UI is it's very important, right? It needs to be somehow like bulletproof for uh, if we want to just make this this you know, I wanted to say positive virus, right? But <laughs> we need to we need to kind of like watch out with these viruses. Uh, we if we want this positive positive you know just gospel to spread across the across the globe, you know, uh, about the DeFi, you know, uh, we definitely have to make sure that the mm, the very very basic um how to call the users the day-to-day -day users that they cannot log you know into a DeFi platform let's say right like like this carve or something and that the very first impression that they have is or like okay is somebody trying to hack me or am i do i need to be a coder for that or do i need to be you know some 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 programmer or something it's like like we really have to address the most basic kind of like utility aspects for those most basic type of people that just day to day users right and again 
Speaking of it as well, what plans does Linear Finance have for us coming up in 2021 before the year ends? Uh, yeah, so we, like I've mentioned before, um, we will have, we're working on a number of obviously uh, exchange improvements. So there will be additional functionalities uh, for traders, okay? Um, but uh, in terms of other large improvements, we are working also on doing yield farming initiatives. So we have a linear vault uh, that will be coming out. Um, and so for those ones, you can actually use that to generate some yield. Um, and there'll be some additional vaults in place for users. Okay, um, And we'll try to make that as easy, as seamless as we can uh, for everybody. Um, and then ultimately, you know, we have more block public blockchains out there, um, a polka dot. Uh, is another large one. Uh, we've committed to building on top of Polkadot through Moonbeam. Um, so right now we're in the process of doing testnet with Moonbeam. Um, and so we'll, we will pretty certain that once Moonbeam gets their parachain out or gets their parachain, you know, we'll be able to do an implementation of linear on Polkadot. Um, and so for all the users and the ecosystem within Polkadot will be connected. Um, so that people can actually trade synthetic assets on, on Polkadot. And hopefully, uh, you know, we'll get additional scaling, uh, transaction speeds, and reduce costs in, in that base. But it's a whole new market, right? Because we have, we'll have we have a whole set of new users that are, are kind of core Polkadot user, dot users um, that uh, we'll be able to connect to, right? Hey. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, to your point before about... Um, you know, about what people see when they come in and, um, you know, DeFi, there's no standards right now in place, right? You know, if you look at Ethereum, um, you know, if a user comes in and he starts doing a transaction, it'll probably cost him like $50, $60, dollars $70 on Uniswap. And people get scared about that. I mean, I, that freaks me out. I don't want to go ahead. I, I don't want to go use Uniswap and pay that much, no matter how much the you know how much I'm, I'm I'm purchasing. So unless you're a very big whale, okay, then then maybe that's not an issue. But you know Ethereum has scaling issues, and you know people are working on different L2 solutions. There's different side chains, um, and at the end of the day, the worst fear I have for Ethereum is that it just becomes disparate systems, all disparate protocols and systems all over the place, and there's no bridges in between, and so it kills kind of the composability. And so I always think that. You know, maybe maybe protocols need to band together and figure out, hey, look, you know, this is the standard we're going to use for an L2. Everybody work on this so we all we can all maintain composability for our users at the end of the day. But, you know, we're just not at that point yet. Um, but hopefully we will later on in the future. Um, but, you know, for linear, uh, we care about our users. So we just we, we like to have the immediate effect. So that's why we built on Binance Smart Chain. We will be on Polkadot, um, uh, hopefully, when Polkadot releases near the end of the year, uh, if when they release. So, um, yeah, those are the kind of plans for 2021. Um, we will have a substantially large, larger number of investable assets, both in crypto uh, as well as from the old financial system or old financial world uh, later on. We will have those uh, in, in probably in, a, in a two or three months' time. I love it. I love it. And I can only confirm, Kevin, on top of what you said, that you really take things immediately, you know, that you really, you really want to meet the, the expectations of the users. And that is definitely big, big, uh, you know, hats off to you and to your entire team. Congratulations. 
And before I let you go, because you've been so generous uh, for the entire time uh, with your with your knowledge, with your experience, uh, we have the custom on, on the Nest Show podcast that we leave uh, our viewers and listeners with some special takeaway message. So what is your takeaway message to all the viewers and listeners? Yeah, I think... Um... I think people should know that obviously we're very committed um, to linear finance. Um, we've always been builders at heart. Um, and so we're constantly working on building and putting out improvements in the protocols and communicating to our users um, and providing support. And so obviously the community is, is, is the largest part about it, is, is our most important part about linear, right? I mean, you guys stake and drive uh, the protocol at the end of the day. Um, we really value uh, everybody such as yourselves who have been with us since the beginning. Um, and I think uh, we, we will have a number of surprises coming out over the next few months. Um, and I think the, the people that stay and, and stay with us along the way, um, you'll be able to kind of reap the rewards of us building. Um, and you'll be, I think we'll find ways to reward those those types of users, right? So people that, that are loyal and, and, and hang out, you know, um, ultimately you can come and try and you can stake, you can leave up, you know, it's obviously up to you. We're not providing financial advice, um, but for those that are loyal customers, hey, look, you know, we find ways to reward, reward it. And we appreciate, we appreciate every type of investor that comes in short-term, long-term, people that stake, people that don't stake, people that come and trade. Um, you know, we build this for you and we continue to build uh, no matter uh, what market cycle it is. We don't stop building if, you know, if the market is bad, you know, we continue and we're very, very focused on, on, on getting improvements out and, and, and getting our assets out there. Yeah. Amazing. So if I read that, if they read that correctly to support and incentivize all the new users, you're going to send so many Lambos for each and every single user <laughs> and influencers like myself. So I shall expect the Lambo right in front of my door anytime soon. Right. <laughs> I love, oh, it. We'll I, love it. I love it. Kevin, uh, that, that was definitely a good takeaway message. I really think all the viewers and listeners uh, appreciate your time, your knowledge. Uh, DeFi is a very hot topic, everybody. And uh, to make sure you stay up to date with all the latest news and with all those amazing people like Kevin today, make sure you subscribe, make sure you put the thumbs up and comment this very video. And guys, ladies and gentlemen, Kevin of Lightning Finance has been my and your guest today to the Nest Show podcast. Thank you for your time, Kevin. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody. Why have DAIs democratizing finance by creating the most secure, transparent, and user-friendly ecosystem of DeFi products? To learn more, visit thebirdpress.com slash YFDAI. Radix is the first layer one protocol built specifically to serve DeFi. More information at thebirdpress.com slash Radix. Globe is a crypto derivatives exchange offering up to 100 times leverage on crypto and DeFi perpetual contracts with Bitcoin collateral. Sign up today at thebirdpress.com slash Globe. Howdo is the social blockchain powering the decentralized social apps of the future. For more information, visit theburbness.com slash howdo. I'd like to thank our listeners for joining this episode of The Nestro. If you've appreciated the depth and breadth of what you've heard with us today, subscribe to our podcast and find our landing page at theburbness.com. We have a vibrant Discord community which acts as our central hub of operations, and we welcome you to join us at theburbness.com slash discord.
We also offer an extensive free bulletin on emerging crypto market trends, exclusive undervalued gem reports, and in-depth expert technical and fundamental analysis at thebirdnest.com slash bulletin. We always appreciate engagement from our community, which of course means liking the video and subscribing to our page, where we insist on bringing you the highest quality content available. Also, we're happy to incorporate tips and topics from our listeners and encourage you to email us at thenestro at thebirdnest.com. This podcast is brought to you by The Burb Nest. Thank you and trade on.